Lexi and I'm a self-discovery coach and yoga instructor serving people through my business Alive to Enjoy and this is Heart Snuggles, a holistic wellness podcast where I invite guests to drop into their heart space through authentic conversations and compassionate intentions all in mini cuddly episodes. This is for anyone that has female reproductive organs. Your period symptoms are not normal. Let me make that motherfucking loud and clear. You don't need to settle for cramps and mood swings every month. You don't need to accept breakouts, low energy, breast tenderness, heavy periods, bloating, or any symptom as an unavoidable part of your cycle. You don't need to settle for anything less than perfect hormonal health. These monthly symptoms are your body's way of communicating an underlying hormone imbalance that needs to be addressed. At my Moonbox, natural, uncomplicated, and effective products created by qualified practitioners are made for you. Made to balance your hormones, improve your periods, and have you feeling your best all month long. They've done the work for you, created the products your hormones need, and compiled all the essential cycle knowledge into their ebooks and courses that, so that you're provided with everything you should have been taught since the very beginning. Go ahead and grab yourself a moon box. Use the code HEARTSNUGGLES for 10% off and feel empowered about your period, baby. Welcome to Heart Snuggles. We're so happy you're here today. Um, I brought a really lovely guest, an old friend from Australia. So just give yourself a little introduction. Thanks, love. Um, so my name is Michelle Smith and I am a yoga teacher and a women's health educator. And I'm in the final sort of uh, months of Chinese medicine. So hopefully by January next year, I'll be able to call myself a Chinese medicine doctor as well. Yay. So exciting. Yeah. It is. And what got you into Chinese medicine? Yeah, great question. Um, yeah, great, good question. I um, I was actually living in Dubai at the time, and I moved to the Middle East when I had just graduated from my first undergraduate degree. I was working in marketing, and I guess being an expat, especially at that time in Dubai, there are a lot of opportunities given to me, and I found myself. Um, I, I would say really privileged in my career um, and, you know, managing a team of people at a really young age, taking on a lot of stress. Um, and I was kind of just in the, the whole corporate game working, you know, crazy hours, like 12, 14 days, um, 12, 14 hour days um, and essentially got super burnt out. So I had glandular fever, which I guess in the States is called mono um, chronic fatigue didn't have a menstrual cycle, really severe acne. Um, and yeah, I was, I was just a bit of a mess. Um, so I tried everything. I'd been to, you know, gynecologist to work out my cycle. I'd been to a GP and integrated GP and they just didn't really have any answers for me. Um, so it was actually, my mom came to visit and she took one look at me and she was like, sweetie, you do not look good. <laughs> um, and she sent me to an acupuncturist. And it was in that, in that session, in that appointment with my acupuncturist, I knew that something had changed um, and I could finally start to feel like myself again. I finally had energy um, and my chronic fatigue was so bad that I would wake up in the morning and go to work because I had to pay my bills. And within half an hour of coming home from work, I'd be back in bed fast asleep. Um, you know, I had friends bringing me meals because I didn't have the energy to cook um, I'd go for a walk around my block and then have to sleep for two hours on the weekend. Like I had nothing in the tank. So acupuncture was really 
the first thing that I'd ever experienced where I actually felt like I had a little bit of energy. Um, and then my cycle came back, acne started to clear and everything else sort of um, fell into line from there. And, you know, at the time I was working in travel and I thought to myself, do I want to, you know, sell people holidays for the rest of my life or do I want to potentially be of service? So I um, packed everything up from Dubai, packed up my little one bedroom apartment, sold my car, sold everything and then moved back to Australia to study Chinese medicine. So amazing. I'm so happy mm. you found that and got some relief. Like there's so many people that are in those situations that are like, I've been to so many different doctors and I'm like, try Chinese medicine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think that's the thing, like we tend to be the last resort, you know, um, it's so often that my, um, you know, my clients that I see at the student clinic, uh, they, they say, I've tried this, I've tried this, I've tried this. And we're really always the last resort. And I'm always like, you should have come to us earlier, but it's okay. So how do you describe acupuncture to someone who hasn't experienced it? Yeah, great question. I think um, I think acupuncture is probably the most well known or um, yeah, like widely popularized aspect of Chinese medicine. But it's important to like say like um, you know we we work with the whole body. So acupuncture is just one part of Chinese medicine. So we also have um, the Chinese materia medica, so Chinese herbalism, as well as qigong and different, um, I guess, uh, practices around diet and lifestyle that we also integrate into the medicine. Um, but acupuncture, it's a really good way of describing it is we have light switches all over the body. And when we're in states of ease, we want all of the light switches to be on. But when we're in states of dis-ease, sometimes some of those light switches are turned off. And so acupuncture is really trying to get all of the light switches turned back on. So we work with energy, um, but we're also working with the fluids in the body. So we're working with blood um, and lymph and, you know, a lot of these more modern terms that we're all getting used to you know I think lymph is going through like this really like awesome popularity craze at the moment but that's something that we've been working with in Chinese medicine for you know hundreds thousands of years so um yeah acupuncture is really just trying to bring the body back into balance such a beautiful practice every time I go I always like acne ask my acupuncturist so many questions I'm like I want to learn because I feel so yeah. good every time I go and like, and now I'm getting more connected with my body where I like feel the chi moving as they like put the needles in. And yeah. What about yeah, someone totally. that's afraid of needles? Cause I always hear that when I tell people I go to acupuncture or like, they're like, it's going to hurt. I'm like, yeah. I swear. <laughs> I think the first thing is tell the practitioner. Um, you know, so many times I've given somebody acupuncture and then at the end of the treatment, they've been like, oh my God, I was, you know, so scared. That was actually really nice. I was like, why didn't you tell me you were scared? Um, so definitely if you have fears around needles, tell the practitioner for sure. Um, and there's different styles that we can do, you know, Japanese acupuncture, uh, typically uses really fine needles and, um, really superficial needling. So a good acupuncturist will be able to cater the treatment to you if, you know, if you are, um, afraid of needles, but the acupuncture needles are so fine. Like they're actually so thin. I think I read that a hundred acupuncture needles go into like a normal needle. 
So like if you go to the doctor and you get a needle in the arm, like that needle is a hundred times bigger than a acupuncture needle. So they're, they're really, really tiny. Some people say it's, um, they're like the diameter of a strand of hair. So you can get really fine ones. So they're, they're so small. Sometimes I don't even feel them going at all. Same. Yeah. So mm. cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Makes sense that a hundred of them make one. Um, and I'd love if you talk about the, the, I think they're called channels or like earth, the wood, the different uh, the elements elements yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so um yeah in Chinese medicine and you know when I say Chinese medicine I think it's important to know that it, it extends to Chinese culture um and a lot of the um practices a lot of the understandings that we have from Chinese medicine in the west we really um we put towards uh, the Chinese medicine paradigm um but in China and other parts of you know East Asia these are just daily practices so the five elements are a really good example of that understanding which element um, relates to which organ and then each organ has its own emotion its own flavor um, and then the five elements really um, they're such a foundation foundational um, part of the practice um, you can practice five element acupuncture all of the herbs in Chinese medicine relate to a flavor that is um related to one of the elements so the elements are fire which is related to um to the heart uh earth which is related to the spleen and the stomach so that's like more the digestive element we've got the lungs which is um oh my god metal <laughs> wood which is liver um so that's related to anger and then water which is kidneys and so each of those elements has its own season. So right now in Melbourne, we're in winter. So it's more um, kidney element, but you're in um, North America. So you'll be in summer, right? So it'll be the heart. And then after summer, there's actually a period of late summer. And that's, um, that's related to the element. So when you start understanding the five elements, you can start integrating them more into your daily life and your daily practices. So here, because it's winter, we're in kidney time. It's like a much more yin time of year. So all of my practices are more about cultivating my energy so that when I get to summer or when I get to spring, I have all of this, um, you know, energy that I've cultivated that I can then express in those warmer months. So yeah, it's, it's a really beautiful practice when you can start integrating it into your lifestyle. It's so cool. And it always makes sense. Like it resonates so much when I hear what Susan ran. I'm like, yes, like that's what my body naturally wants to like move towards or, you know, eat or it's, it's so aligned, but we're just so disconnected from the earth now that we forget those things. Yeah. And what I love is that we can, we can, we can look at it on like a really macro level of like the four seasons of the year or five in Chinese medicine, but the seasons of the year and then we can look at yeah like the foods that we would eat at that time and then the activities that we might be doing but for um, people that menstruate on a more micro level we can align those seasons to the menstrual cycle which I think is you know really really cool so when you look at the um the, the cyclical nature of women um or I say women people that menstruate understanding it's not just women that um that menstruate but within the menstrual cycle they're really um clearly i guess like lineated seasons and we can align those as well to the seasons on more of a macro level in life which is really cool yeah let's go into that more so what are the seasons of a cycle yeah so it's it's 
It's interesting because I think uh, it's become really popular to talk about the menstrual cycle. Um, and so a lot of people will talk about the cycle in terms of the seasons. Um, and so if we, we think of day one of the menstrual cycle is day one of the bleed and bleeding time represents winter. Um, and so that's, that's quite a yin time. So I would, I describe that as the highest yin or the deepest yin. So that's the most yin phase of the cycle. And depending how long you bleed for, that can go from day one to day five to day seven, even longer, depending, um, depending on anyone's cycle. And then after winter, uh, comes spring. And so this is when you're out of the bleed and you're in your follicular phase at this time. So during springtime, and we can relate this to life, right? You know, like when spring comes around, you're like, oh, like you're so ready to like expand and to grow and to come out of winter. Um, and so it can be a, it can be a really creative time um, for people just after menstruation. And I guess what's happening physiologically at this time is your body's preparing for ovulation. So um, whether or not we want to have a baby, our body is hardwired to reproduce. Um, so at this time, your body's sending all the hormones that you need in order to, um, to, to head towards ovulation are going to your ovaries right now. So it's a time where there's a lot of movement and a lot of energy. And because we want to reproduce, that's the goal. Also, at this time, you'll probably tend to feel really good about yourself. You might feel a a little confident you might just take your skin's a little clearer um you know there'll be different signs in the body that you feel just a little bit um I don't know like a little bit yeah like better I don't, I, I don't really know how to describe it like in that lead up to ovulation I usually just feel like you know like really in flow or um yeah and then at ovulation that's summer so that's like the highest kind of like peak of the cycle so that's when ovulation occurs you're in summer, that's when your energy is going to be at its highest. Um, and then from summer, we come into autumn and then slowly decline towards back into uh, winter, unless we're pregnant, in which case we kind of stay in that autumn phase for a little bit longer. Um, and then, and then it all happens, it all starts over again. So then you're in your, your winter and then we're back into spring. So, um, and I think it's quite often idealized that, you know, coming up to ovulation, you feel really great about yourself, you might feel really sexy, you know, it's typical that our sex drive increases at that time. Um, but if you're, you know, not everybody has a balanced um, cycle. And so a time like ovulation can be really anxious for some people or um, ovulation might bring acne or, um, you know, ovulation pain or whatever it might be. So quite often I see, especially on Instagram, people are like raving about how great, you know, your inner spring or your inner summer is. And I, I do really want to caveat that not everybody has a perfect menstrual cycle. And for a lot of people, um, we're not in the same menstrual cycle, the way that people say that we're meant to be experiencing the menstrual cycle. Yeah, that's such a valid point. And I'm so happy you brought that up. Because even just mm -hmm. saying like, your cycle is on X amount of days, like, um, winter is one through seven it's like no everyone is different everyone's fear is a little bit different totally. really being like yeah it's hard when things like blow up so fast because information is just like not um yeah misinformation happens but it's okay and yeah yeah, yeah and I think I just I want to make sure that people everybody's experience is really valid right so especially in Chinese medicine we say 
the period shouldn't be painful. So your period should arrive with ease and leave with ease, which is which is beautiful and it's perfect. But I don't want that to take away from um, the very real experience of people with endometriosis who experience chronic pain and debilitating pain. Um, um, that's a very condition. So while we can say the period should be pain-free and um, in many cases it should be pain-free and in many cases of endo, endo it, it may be so that we can reduce the pain or at least try to improve quality of life. Um, yeah, I also don't want to sort of idealize this pain-free, you know, like period unicorns that roll around with no pain when I know that there's a lot of people out there that um, that's just really not the case. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point as well. I would like to talk about that periods shouldn't have pain though, because a lot of people I know are 100% unaware of that. And I think pain is so normalized mm -hmm. in our society around periods. It's just like what we have to deal with, but I personally yeah. have gotten rid of all my period pain and thankful enough that my body is able to do that and so I think I would be great to talk about yeah I think that's it, it's such an important point and I would say period pain is common but it's not normal and um you know and I mentioned endo so people people that do have endometriosis they experience um period pain for sure um and but that's not necessarily a normalized um you know state um, because endometriosis is a, is a chronic condition. So, um, yeah, I would say that period periods shouldn't be painful um, unless there is something deeper going on and there is something more, um, you know, pathological that we would be looking at, something like endo, adenomyosis, um, whatever it may be. So, um, and I think, you know, we touched on this before, how when people say, oh, like periods suck or even the language around periods is um, tends to be really negative. And I think growing up, that was all, always the case. And we, we know how powerful words can be. So I think as a starting point, even just shifting language around periods, you know, I love, I love getting my period. It's, it's almost my favorite time of the month. You know, when I get my period, it's like all of my friends know I go off social media. It's like this time where I just really go into sort of my own little cave and it's, it's become a really spiritual practice and it's become a really beautiful time where I celebrate the period. Um, and so I think on a wider level, we changing language um, and changing the language around pain can be really, really important. Um, and then understanding what a normal period is. So a normal period in Chinese medicine would be considered um, pain-free, no clots, and a really nice bright red colour. And it, it flows and then it, it, and then it stops. Um, I think we've probably normalised pain. We've definitely normalised blood clots in the period. Um, and, you know, things like spotting and then starting and stopping. And, and it, it's great. I see, um, you know, I see so many period positive accounts on Instagram and they'll, you know, really funny memes about, um, you know, a period going away for a few days and then coming back and like flooding you. And it's like, it's a funny meme, sure. But when I read those, I'm like, no, that's not normal. Like if that's happening, go see, you know, go see your GP or go see a, a practitioner that can support you with that. So, um, so yeah, period pain, definitely common, not normal. And I think, um, I think it just takes more and more conversations with friends and amongst peer groups to say, hey, you don't have to live in that pain. And I think on on a deeper level, if we if we look at the 
the population of people that menstruate is <laughs> half the world. And if the majority of those people are experiencing pain on a cyclical basis, let's say a monthly basis, just for argument's sake, I believe we're creating really, really strong conditioned beliefs that it's okay to put up with pain. And I think when you're experiencing pain on a monthly cycle, almost unconsciously, or you've been taught or you've come to believe that that pain is um, acceptable, how do we not extrapolate that into other parts of our life? And so I believe that when we stop accepting pain via the menstrual cycle, we stop accepting pain in the workplace, you know, we stop accepting pain that we're receiving from a shitty boss, we stop accepting pain from relationships and it, 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 it extrapolates from there. And I do think that it all starts with the menstrual cycle. Oh, give me the chills. I love that. <laughs> so true. It's like changing that one area of your life and learning that lesson from that can totally, it, it trickles into everything in your life. And um, you start realizing like these are beliefs and it's really crazy how conditioned we are. And there is other ways. Like that's what like holistic medicine Chinese medicine really taught me like I was told there's one way and only one way to live and um, mm. I truly believe that with everything in my body and like hearing these other people like in Australia is when really everything shifted for me but like I was like there's so many ways to live and so many ways to believe and so many ways to feel in my body like I thought I had to feel miserable in my body at all times and so not it <laughs> yeah absolutely and I think yeah that's like that's it because we treat people as individuals so there is no one way to live and I will never um, treat one person the same as the next you know like the the treatments are always individualized and and what works for me just might not work for you at all so I think that's why my approach um, my approach has always been really non-dogmatic and it's really about meeting people where they are and um, and creating that individualized kind of treatment plan it's the most important thing we're all so different and we've all had such yeah and yeah so I, I'm so grateful that you are a positive impact on this world <laughs> how can people um, search for like a good quality Chinese medicine practitioner or especially like a menstrual focused um, Chinese medicine practitioner is there any tips you have yeah that's a really good question I mean there's really there's honestly some really amazing educators um, but you want to find someone in your local area that's licensed um, and that's really the most important thing that it's somebody who has actually gone through a full acupuncture or Chinese medicine degree um, so I think in North America, you do, um, your bachelor's and then you have to do a master's degree after that in order to get your license. I could be wrong, but I think from the research I've done, that's, that's it. Um, but yeah, there's some really amazing educators on Instagram. I would just make sure that the people that you're following on Instagram are actually licensed, um, acupuncturists as well. Um, you know, I, it's been so amazing to have, the floodgates open for information but you do just really need to search it, um, sources and um, and also find someone who aligns to your values you know I, I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea um, but if I'm not your cup of tea I can refer you to like 10 other really amazing 
educators that talk about the same topics as me and maybe one of them will be your cup of tea um but I can I can link some really awesome sort of period accounts that I um enjoy and I learn a lot from for sure yeah that's so good and I think that's true too like when you're finding a local practitioner like license and then the values like having getting on a phone call with them or like you know somehow interacting with them to see if like it feels right to you and um, yeah yeah because we go ahead oh sorry we all come with our own shit right like even (laughs) even health practitioners even your doctor and so no one even if they say that they will no one will ever come to it with a blank slate like my my previous history you know navigating PCOS and my own uh you know menstrual health issues for sure that's going to come with me when I practice and so other people will have their own views and so you do you know you do need to be aware that whilst we all try to be as neutral as blank slate everybody comes with their own background their own experiences their own perspectives agreed and um I'm trying to figure out how to like filter out because I've had friends tell me some experiences with their acupuncturist I'm like that's not correct um yeah practices and I don't know if there's any way to like what are some of those that you know of or um yeah because if someone's never experienced it they don't know what it should feel like or be like yeah um I will preface it like you know there's always going to be good lawyers and bad lawyers <laughs> and unfortunately the unfortunately I hear people that also have experiences that aren't great I would just say try not to let that one experience taint the you know the the whole thing um so try to find somebody else and give it a go with somebody else um but I'll always tell people that no matter what no matter if you're seeing an acupuncturist or you're seeing a chiropractor or you're going to the GP you are always in the driver's seat so if you're in an acupuncture session and someone's put a needle in and you don't feel comfortable you have every right to say hey this isn't working for me right now I'm not comfortable with the needles whatever you like you can express yourself and you're in the driver's seat and I think that so often once we are in that that relationship of I'm patient this is doctor whether again whether it's acupuncture whether it's going to the GP for pap smear whatever it is you are always in the driver's seat as the patient so first and foremost if you do feel uncomfortable during a an appointment or during an acupuncture session just tell them just say hey this isn't working for me um but then my, my second piece of advice would be always give it another go because that person could have been having a bad day. Um, you never know what was going on for them as well. Um, but generally acupuncture should be pain-free. If you're, especially if you're coming in for, you know, uh, menstrual related issues, I would say it's pain-free. Um, if you're coming in for maybe something more, more musculoskeletal and we're doing trigger point release of like a really tight muscle, then yeah, there might be a little bit of pain, but not nothing. Um, it shouldn't be more than a momentary ouch. Um, we have pain receptors on the surface of the skin. So when the needle goes in, you generally feel like the needle inserting or a little bit of pain there, depending on, um, again, the acupuncturist, depending on the needles that they're using. But generally when the needle goes in, 
it shouldn't be a lot of pain. You should feel a sensation. People describe it in a million different ways. Um, they might describe a temperature change. They might describe um, like a little buzzing sensation, um, but generally you shouldn't have, um, you shouldn't be feeling a lot of pain. So if it does really, really hurt, I would say tell the acupuncturist, hey, this hurts. Can you maybe move the needle or reduce the sensation? Because we can definitely do that. Using your voice. I'm all here for that. It's like yeah. so funny that you already touched on this, but like how we don't even tell this is such a common thing. We don't tell our doctors what's actually going on, our practitioners. It's like you, those are the people we need to be the most honest with. But anywhere in life, there's so many times when we're just not speaking up, like when we're uncomfortable. And I think that's such an important lesson. And yeah, to like yeah. what you just said. And I wish, I know I'm like, I will sound like an old person, but I just wish that when I was younger, I knew that I could stand up for myself. You know, there's been countless times in doctor's offices where I felt really uncomfortable and I should have asked for a chaperone or I should have said, hey, can you stop? I don't feel comfortable. And I just didn't have that voice then. So I think that's something that, yeah, I feel really passionate about, especially I recently did a post about pap smears, um, which I think is cervical screening. Yeah. For you guys. Yeah. You're nodding. I'm like, I don't know if we called it something different and <laughs> just saying how, even when, when you're getting a cervical screening test, you, if you don't feel comfortable, you can tell them to stop. Or if you, if you go to the office by yourself and you don't feel comfortable being by yourself, you can ask for a chaperone and either one of their admin staff or a nurse will come in with you and you can have that test done. And I think just sharing that information of, yeah, like you can use your voice and that they don't have power over you, whether it's a doctor, whether it's, you know, an acupuncturist, whoever it may be. Hey, give me chills again. <laughs> I remember that was one of the best feelings ever. I had to get uh, like some sort of test done down there when um, it was kind of like a past year, it was a male doctor. And I'm like, as much as I don't want to have that stigma, like it's there. And like, I've had, you know, like weird experiences. And so, um, but mm -hmm. without even asking, they brought in two women chaperones and it was amazing. It was, I just like immediately was like, okay, I'm okay. <laughs> I like my body <laughs> relaxed and like, I'm like, it's all going to be okay. Instead of being like tense the whole time and like, yeah. And that's what causes pain, right? So when we experience pain, especially in those cervical screening tests, it's because literally our muscles have, have clenched and tightened. So in order for a, a screen to be as pain-free as possible, we need to be really relaxed so that our muscles can soften. So it, it makes a big deal. It makes a big impact. Mm -hmm. And I kind of want to full circle or a little bit and just bring in another question about periods and like how can male partners mm. support their female during the period? Yes, I love this. And I, I recently found out that a lot, not a lot, but there's a portion of my um, community on Instagram that are partners of people that menstruate. And I, um, I went to dinner recently and uh, a woman was there and her partner, who was a man, and she was like, 
oh, you remember Michelle? And she starts describing me as, you know, like, oh, you know, she works here, she does this, blah, blah, blah. And then she goes, the period girl. And he was like, oh, I love, like, I love your Instagram. And so he's been <laughs> learning all about the menstrual cycle to support his partner, which is really, like, really amazing. But um, yeah, I think just asking questions and just asking, you know, when, it, if your partner menstruates and they're on their period, what can I do to support you? Like, what, what, what do you need from me right now? Um, but I think when you're in partnership and you start learning as a couple, the different phases of the menstrual cycle, that's when it can really, I guess, amplify your relationship because you'll understand different times of the month where, um, you know, the, the person who is on a menstrual cycle will be experiencing different things. So, you know, for example, for me, when I'm in my follicular phase, when I'm coming up towards ovulation, that's when I'm going to be wanting to like go out for dinner, like be more social, hang out with friends and, and make those plans. Um, whereas when I'm heading towards my, you know, in autumn, in a winter, that's when I do want to just kind of like stay at home, take it easy, turn the energy levels down, that kind of thing. So I think if you are the partner of someone who menstruates, it's just asking them, how can I support you? Um, and yeah, and actually just working out like on a physiological level, what happens during menstruation, because some things that I hear, and I don't want to, you know, poo-poo men, but some of the things that I hear about what they think happens during a period I'm like what no like <laughs> it's so, not their fault to be fair like they're we're not taught they're not none of us are taught women aren't even taught about our own bodies so like totally. it makes sense but like it's time to take accountability and like take educate yourself too you know yeah absolutely and it's it's interesting like I um, you know, I, 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 when I go on dates with guys, it'll be one of the first things that I talk about, like, um, you know, oh, I don't do that when I'm, when I'm on my period, you know, um, and sometimes you see them squirm and then other times you see them like really taken in their stride and, you know. Yeah, let's, I want to really touch on this too, because I was just telling my friend, I flew to Washington and I was like, I walked in, I was like, I'm fucking done hiding my shame around my period like women carrying whole like a giant bag down the aisle because they're trying to carry the tampon in it I'm like uh, yeah. why are we so shameful around like even holding tampons or pads or whatever it is and like talking about it and we have to like hide ourselves that we're on our period mm -hmm. and do it in secret and it's like no I'm done <laughs> yeah totally I, I I mean I don't have I don't work in corporate anymore but when I did I would just have my tampon in my hand I'd be like yeah I'm just going to the bathroom and but I re remember all those years of like sticking tampons up my jumper sleeve or like throwing them down like the inside pocket of my jeans. Like, it's just crazy. I actually um, was uh, chatting to someone who runs um, or she works for a menstrual um, a hygiene product company here in Australia. And they did market research on high school um, girls and, you know, uh, it was an all girls school that they were running this research and or this study um this uh yeah research group and they said that the the teenagers weren't using pads because pads make too much noise when you unwrap them so if they unwrap them in the cubicle 
then the person next to them might know that they're on their period and then they'd be really upset. And so they were, the trend was then to use tampons, which I just thought, I was like, wow, like even at an all girls school, that's just, yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy for me that, that that still happens. But I think um, there's this new resurgence, not resurgence, but there's this, I don't know, there's this trend at the moment, you know, I think menstrual cups um, and period underwear, I think the marketing around um, periods has really, really changed. And I think that's kind of, I don't know which came first, if the if the the companies saw that people were becoming more open about periods, so then they changed their marketing or if people saw the marketing change and now they're being more comfortable talking about it. But I'm definitely seeing a shift um, that people are becoming more comfortable talking about um, their period and what products they use. I'm loving it. Yeah, I had some, I grew up with a single dad and um, I didn't know anything about it. And like, it was such a shameful mm-hmm. thing and I never learned about it and I didn't have siblings. So it was like, it was definitely a hard thing as a kid to understand and like having to like ask friends and whatnot. And I was, there's just so much shame around my body as a woman. And so I'm so happy that now mm-hmm. it's like at least starting to removing so far, right. In the good, right direction. Yeah, totally. But even, you know, I grew up with three sisters and we're all pretty open and I never spoke to them about a period. One of my friends at school yeah. told me how to put a tampon in, <laughs> you know, even you would think like in a family of all girls, but it was still, it was just something that was off the table. Like it was just not something that we would talk about as a family. So, yeah. It's crazy. And that just made me think of, um, I'm a part of Yoni circle, which is you should join it. Oh, you would cool. love it. It's a really cool sister circle community. And it's about through you heal through storytelling and there's like little meditations and anyways, it's really cool. But we were doing a circle the other day. We, I shared a story about how I got a tampon stuck inside uh, me and had sex after multiple times. And mm-hmm. I could not get it out. Like I tried everything under the moon. And then my best friend was like, all right, I'll, I'll put my hands up there. And I was like, okay, hold on. Like, let's try one more thing. And then I finally, it was during yoga teacher training and I told my teacher and she was like, sit Malasana. And it literally immediately came out. Oh my gosh. I but, love and it. then all the other girls were like, I've had a tampon stuck inside of me too. And I didn't know what to do. And it's like, and then another girl said it too. And I'm like, wow, like it's a common thing that I've never talked to people about, you know, really, but so yeah. many like things that we experience that we don't talk about. Yeah. And I think we can, you know, that's a really great example. And there's so many things that spring to mind just then, you know, and a lot of the work that I do too around menstrual health is also, um, you know, talking to people that are on fertility journeys as well. And I think that's another aspect where um, it's own, it's often when somebody else opens up about their experience, whether it be about miscarriage or their own IVF journey, that other people then feel more comfortable to then share theirs. Um, so we just need to, yeah, connect more and share more. <laughs> I agree. So, so great. And I also love you to touch on um, how we can match our cycle with yoga. Yeah. So this is, um, this is always like a little bit of a controversial one because you'll, you'll hear people that say, you know, you can't go upside down when you're bleeding because you'll cause retrograde bleeding and, you know, it'll, it'll be the worst. You'll get endometriosis. Um, I don't think that's true, but I think that that's a really balanced approach that you can, you can look at it. Um, so the first thing I'll talk about is hot yoga and, you know, I, I teach, um, occasionally like warm yoga classes, but definitely nothing above 30 degrees, which I guess is what 
I can't work it out for you, 80 degrees, yeah. 80 Fahrenheit, something like that. Um, so in Chinese medicine, your sweat is considered a body fluid and your body fluids are really, really important. So when you're, you, when you're um, getting rid of sweat, especially like in a hot yoga class, you're also getting that, that's considered that you're releasing yin and blood is yin. And essentially when we, when we have our period, we, we want to make sure that the supply and the demand of yin is, um, is equal. So if we're going to hot yoga and we're sweating out a bunch of sweat, we're getting rid of heaps of body fluids. And so the supply of yin in the body is decreasing. And then if we couple that with not necessarily a great diet or poor digestion, then the supply of yin, which we get through um, food, is also not going to be equal. So the first thing I would say is um, really sweating it out in hot yoga, maybe not the best thing to do while you're on your period. Um, and so generally on, your, on my period, I'll just do like a yin practice or a really gentle restorative practice, um, lower back pain you'll want to come into something that can really support opening and lengthening the fibers of the lower back. So placing a bolster underneath the pelvis, bridge, maybe Viparita Karani, um, something like that, like legs up the wall. Um, so supporting um, what's going on in the body, which is your uterus is really expanded because of the blood that's um, being released and also um, increase pain receptors in the body as well. So anything that can create really gentle movement and a nice like gentle stretching out of the ligament of the lower back and things like that. Once you're out of your period, you're coming into the, the more like peak phase of your cycle. That's when you want to be going to like vinyasa practices, like definitely amping it up, lots of sun salutations if you can really um, get have a more energized practice. And then tampering off again towards your inner autumn that's when I would be going to something more like potentially a slow flow because longer holds um so when we're in our luteal phase we tend to it tends um, to be a better time for things like strength training so I think of like going to a slow flow holding you know something like uh, warrior two which create which demands a lot of strength on the body but holding it for a little bit longer than say like a really flowy vinyasa class so that's kind of how I marry menstrual cycle to my yoga practice when I'm bleeding I generally will only do a very 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 restorative practice and go for a gentle walk I'm a runner there's no chance that you'll get me running while I'm bleeding and it's not because we're weak when we're bleeding it's about honoring where we're at. Um, and so for me, that's been something that's really, really changed is that once I started matching my exercise, as, including my yoga practice to my menstrual cycle, that's when really um, I started noticing changes. And, and that's when you'll notice more energy throughout the phases of the cycle as well. Thank you. It's so important. It's like we, we, as women, I feel like aren't educated on these things and it's actually really important when we start to honor our body and um, work with it and how she works mm -hmm. so quickly back with you and rewards you so much for that yeah and we beat ourselves up right yeah. like I can count so many times when I haven't felt like working out so I haven't gone to the gym or I haven't gone for a run or I haven't gone to the studio and I beat myself up. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so lazy. I can't believe that I didn't work out today, whatever it is. And then I look back, I'm like, I was probably just like on day 25 and my energy levels are really low. My metabolic demand was high, you know, like the, 
there were probably so many reasons that were so easily explained on a physiological level in the body yet the mental mind just goes into this like you're lazy I can't believe you're not doing this so yeah syncing with your menstrual cycle can be a really empowering practice so great um and will you share anything you're offering right now to the audience yeah, so I do run a period masterclass, which is essentially a 60, 60 minute uh, workshop plus um, half an hour where we go into questions and we kind of troubleshoot any um, any concerns that you might have with the menstrual cycle. So that's when I really go into in-depth um, explaining both from a Chinese medicine perspective, as well as from like just a, a more anatomical perspective of your reproductive organs, what your body should be doing at different times of the month, and then how you can create a really specialized, I guess, lifestyle um, plan according to your cycle. So I run that about like once a month um, and I advertise that on my Instagram, which is just Michelle Smith Health. So cool. I highly recommend yeah. it. She's amazing. And we'll definitely yeah. have, to have you back on here. I love, I love you and all your wisdom. So oh, thank thanks. you so Beautiful. much for being here. Thanks for having me.